Hey, podcasters, great show today. You don't want to miss a second. We go into Bernie Sanders, the radical revolutionaries behind him. We show you what's happening just last night in South Carolina. The Dow is taking a hit. That's because of the coronavirus. Couple that with the socialists getting into office and God help us all. We give you some solutions like Arguing with Socialists, the uh, new book that is coming out. We check in with Stu, who is up at, uh, uh, at CPAC, and the very important coronavirus update. You don't want to miss this podcast. It's all right here. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. forget this day. Somebody said he shouted out, is this R's or D's? And someone shouted back, Republicans. 24 elected officials practicing baseball, for God's sakes. The bullets are landing just a couple of feet from me. Targeted. One almost lost his life. It all happened because a delusion man so strongly supported a socialist candidate that he believed using a gun was the only way and the right way to achieve his utopian ideal. And time after time after time throughout both history and in our current day, we've seen those who support a communist way of life resort to violence to make their point, to get their way. They destroy or even kill anyone who stands in their way. It's the reality those living under communism have to endure every day. But now, it's becoming a reality here. The Democrats are about to nominate currently their front runner. When Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? A guy who has failed time and time again to speak out against the violence his supporters, his campaign workers, advocate. Aaron, light him on fire in the street. The candidate who supported every single violent communist regime throughout history. American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. What happens to the shining city on the hill? The beacon of freedom for the rest of the world. If a candidate who supports this becomes the most powerful man in the world, where does the world turn for help? You remember this from Hong Kong. A Bernie Sanders presidency is dangerous for far too many reasons. Higher taxes, Medicare for all, a near complete government takeover of any industry you could possibly name. Our stock market will crash. But this... This is what changes us the most. I know what Bernie's like. 
you know, A, free education for everybody, because we're gonna have to teach you not to be a Nazi. There's a reason Joseph Stalin had gulags, right? Over and over again, Bernie has shown he appeals to the angry left, the violent left. And it's time the media stops excusing his apparent inability to downplay the countless examples of extremism his rabid fans support. Gulags were actually meant for, like, re-education. It's time, America, to stop ignoring the truth. Because if we don't, America is never the same again. It is time you know the truth about Bernie Sanders and those he works with. And it begins right now. That was the opening of our special that you can now watch on demand at Blaze TV. Uh, you, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. BlazeTV.com uh, slash Glenn. We opened the first uh, probably... 10 minutes of the special with the work of Project Veritas and tried to put that into context and perspective. You've seen many of the campaign supporters that have been talking about guillotining the rich, talking about going in and dragging the MSNBC staff out into the street by their hair and setting them on fire. This is exactly, I mean, almost word for word, what I warned against in 2000, was it 9 or 11, uh, on the radio and television program. I said, you journalist, you think you know what you're dealing with. But they will come after you. Not just me, you. Because you are part of the problem. And they will drag you out in the streets and beat you to death. And they won't have a problem with it. We are dealing now with people who are verbalizing that and are in the same position as the guy who said those things before and then went out to a ballpark in Virginia and tried to kill half the Congress. But I want you to know, this isn't about half the Congress. This is about the media, the Democrats, and the Republicans. They don't want any of this they want a completely different system they want socialism and you can call it warm and fuzzy scandinavian socialism but scandinavian socialism doesn't exist anymore it existed in the 50s and the 60s and by the 70s it was going bankrupt and they abandoned socialism they abandoned it it didn't work do they have a bigger safety net yes but their corporations are more free than we are. I want you to understand. Listen to these words. Socialism is the doctrine that man has no right to exist for his own sake. That his life and his work do not belong to him, but belong to society that the only justification of his existence is his service to society, and that society may dispose of him in any way it pleases for the sake of whatever it deems to be its own tribal collective good. If you watched Game of Thrones, this was the philosophy. It just wasn't socialism, it was feudalism. 
the kings established the kingdom and your life had no consequence. None. They could do whatever they wanted to to the serfs. They could rape your women. They could kill your family. They could take your land. It didn't matter because it was for the good of the kingdom. You as an individual did not count. There were a group of elites. They were born into it or had special privileges because, well, they were the elites. They were the educated. They were the priests. The same thing. This is the same system as what Game of Thrones was like, where if you displease the king, you're dead. Except the king in this particular case is just a bunch of elites that think they know better than you. I want to make this really super clear. I was wrong about Barack Obama on one thing for sure. And that was that he was going to usher in the revolution in his term. I thought that's what he was going to do in the first couple of years. And that's what I was warning about because he had people like Van Jones around him. But but Barack Obama, what I failed to see and what people like Van Jones failed to see was that Barack Obama turned to the progressive route because he had surrounded himself to be able to win the presidency. He surrounded himself with Clinton progressives. There's a difference between a progressive and a revolutionary. A revolutionary believes in what's called direct action. That's Antifa. Direct action means I don't care what the vote says. It's time for direct action. It's time to go to the streets, break the windows, burn things down. Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass in Germany, that is direct action. And when it is supported by those in higher office and those in power, that's when you start to have communism or Nazism reign. Remember, Kristallnacht was just a bunch of rabble-rousers. Oh my gosh, did they really do that? That's horrible. Well, we'll have to look into that. But the state and the media turned a blind eye because it was, it was okay to do. And it was the revolutionaries that were doing it. Scare people into silence. I want to show you, last night I showed you the Project Veritas in the first 10 minutes. And when you see these people in the context that we placed it in, you know, Project Veritas has done some really, really good things. And they went undercover and they exposed all of these people. But I don't think people understand what they exposed. Oh, that's just some low, you know, staffer. Well, no. That's that th- these people hold exactly the same position still in the Bernie Can- Sanders camp still hold the same position that the shooter did in Virginia. 
That shows me something is very, very, very wrong. They endorse it. They're fine with these tactics. They're talking about burning Milwaukee to the ground. See, the Democrats are in an impossible place. They invited these, and I'm going to use this word, and I know it's bold, but it's true. These killers into their own camp. And now what? Now how do you get rid of them? Because they're killers. Eventually, when you have enough power, Hitler had to kill them. He killed his brown shirts, the people that were causing all of the problems on the street, because eventually the guy in power knows, you know, they could challenge me and uh, they can't have any more power. So once their usefulness is over, they're killed. Because remember, it's for the good of the state. People don't matter. In the special last night, we then moved to who Bernie Sanders has around him as leading advisors. Who is actually running his campaign? We'll get into that and show you how these these brown shirts, or if you want to call them Mussolini, black shirts. Or I think they were they were just called Bolsheviks in Russia, how these people are acting right now and the press is turning a blind eye. Ronald Reagan said in the 1960s, it's a time of choosing. America, this may be your last call to Democrats, independents, and Republicans. I call on you to choose but choose with actual information. I'm going to share some stuff with you today. Do not take my word for any of this. Do your own homework. Do not dismiss it out of hand, but do not accept it out of hand either. Do your own homework. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I don't think a lot of people know who Bernie surrounds himself with. I don't think they understand that this isn't just some old curmudgeon socialist with dumb ideas that America could just reject. That a bunch of Democrats are helping. Yeah. That's not what's happening here. It's not what's happening. We, we you know we started with the with the Project Veritas of who the people are on the ground. And you can deny you could you could say, well, we didn't know. We Well, you did know the videos out there and you did nothing about it. We reached out to the Sanders campaign and said, do you disavow this? Do you disavow these people? No response. And from, they all still work for him, right? Yeah, as far as we know. Yeah. No response. Um, but it's it's beyond that. As you go into the special and, you know, after the first 10 minutes, you start to see who he has in his campaign. First, there's Claire Sandberg. She's the national organizing director and also Winnie Wong, a senior campaign advisor. 
Winnie Wong, we showed you pictures of them hanging out with Linda Sarsour and Elon Omar, et cetera, et cetera. But when Wong isn't you know, busy with anti-Semites, she's giving speeches at Democratic Socialists of America convention. Her speech, one of them was titled Revolution at the Crossroads, Igniting the Social Resistance Against Trump. After she she was with the campaign in 2016 and after Bernie failed, she was busy traveling around the world. She went to Europe to train leftist po- uh, political groups like Podmos in Spain. That's the Communist Party in Spain. UK's Labour Party. She worked with them. Uh, the left, uh, which is uh, the Democratic Socialist Party in Germany. Now, here's what's crazy about this. The left is a new name, but it's the same organization that used to be the ruling party in communist East Germany. So they've rebranded and Bernie's Bernie's. What is she? The campaign um, camp senior campaign advisor is over training these people. Sandberg, who is above her, she's the national organizing director. She went to Norway along with Wong to train leaders of the Rote Party. Now, the Rote Party uh, in Norwegian is uh, actually translated to the Red Party. It is the Communist Red Party. So let it sink in. The national organizing director in charge of his entire army of street organizations one of his senior campaign advisors are in high demand as trainers of communist parties over in europe then another bernie senior official senior policy advisor heather uh, Heather gotney she was also an occupy wall street veteran and a sociology professor at fordham university you might remember her because she was the one that wrote that big article in the washington post about how this leaderless group is so powerful and how you do this how you put these things together well she had so much inside information that everybody's like, she's the leader. She's the architect of this. She was like, no, 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 they don't have leaders. No, I'm just observing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, she was invited to speak at a university, and she said, she said, I felt my role was to maintain my position as representing the movement. Unfortunately for her, the university that invited her was the University of Tehran, in Iran, <laughs> and it was it was uh, the the conference was called an American Awakening, and it was all about the left waking up and taking over and overthrowing the United States government. That's a senior campaign advisor for Bernie Sanders. By the way, she also uh, spoke uh, in favor of Chavez in Venezuela. While Chavez was there, uh, she said today's neoliberal capitalist system has become utterly uh, incompatible with the requisites of democratic freedom. As it stands, Mm -hmm. U.S. representative political and economic institutions are not structured as representative bodies in any real sort of way. Democratic. Once again, this is why I'm so sensitive to that word, because the socialists use it all the time to mask their true designs yes. they make it sound like this is totally american what do you mean this is democratic i'm pushing democracy 
No, no, you're not. You're pushing socialism. Do people just think that Bernie Sanders has a whole bunch of just rank and file, normal, everyday, all American Democrats working for him and around him? Because nobody's talking about any of this. Nobody's looking into any of this except you. And no, there's lots of people that are looking into it. I'm just trying to. Are they? Because I don't hear any of it. Project Veritas is doing a lot. Oh, there's, okay. uh, you yes. know, um, Ben Shapiro, I think, is doing a lot. Uh, They're talking about like his campaign manager. And no, but, it, but they are trying. There are a lot of us that are trying to say, America, wake up. This isn't happy socialism. Oh, it's bad. Happy socialism doesn't work. But this isn't about Medicare for all. This is about an end to the capitalist system. I mean, we have one of their campaign supporters uh, that we showed last night uh, that he's saying, look, things are more important now. U.S. law is irrelevant because human existence is Jeez. at stake. So they're saying that because they are right they can break any law when bernie sanders declares uh the global uh warming as a crisis mm-hmm. as an american crisis and an american emergency which his campaign is saying it's the first thing he's going to be doing when he does that american laws can become irrelevant quickly mm. yeah Stu. No, I, I, it's just it's an incredible thing to watch this uh, happen and go down the way it is because these are there used to be a time where I mean we saw this with um, who was it just the other day the the reporter from ABC I think it was yeah where the same thing with James O'Keefe went in there and, and caught him saying these things off uh, you know he was a socialist mm-hmm. and stuff and they suspended him uh, for it uh, usually there's at least the person who does the kind of crazy thing. They'll suspend or fire or whatever, and they'll just say it's not systemic. It's one person. He's low level. Blah 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 blah. Bernie is like the first person that I can remember who's just like, "Now nah, we're just going to keep all these people that are saying we're going to murder uh, people and put them in gulags. We're just going to keep them on staff." <laughs> is any is any reporter going to step up and say, "Hey, no, Bernie, did. what about these people?" They didn't in Germany. They didn't in communist Russia in 1919. They didn't. This is the way it happens. The press is infiltrated. The press will be fine with it until they start coming after the press. And then it's too late. I mean, you, if you think that the Democratic institutions are going to stop this, it's not going to. The Democratic institutions that we have have been infiltrated and are, are toothless at this point. The, the media, the Democrats, it's too late And they're all focused on beating Donald Trump. Look, you want to throw somebody uh, like um, even Elizabeth Warren. She's not a revolutionary that hates America. She just sees it in a very different way. Bloomberg doesn't hate America. I think the guy is really, really bad for the country. I think this guy is an autocrat. He's Woodrow Wilson. But he's not a revolutionary that hates America. Yeah, you, you know, people aren't excited about the country when they continually talk about transforming it. You don't transform something you love. It doesn't need transformation. And this is the same thing, the same problem we had with Obama, who started this process, and now the plan is for Bernie Sanders to finish the process. You know what's amazing? I've been thinking a lot the last few weeks. Uh, first of all, 
I want to go over all the things that we predicted because I think now is the reaping. Yeah. Right now is the reaping. Yeah. I said they would take their mask off. I said they wanted to tell you they wanted you to know that they were revolutionaries, that they were socialists. They wanted you to know they want this fight. Um, we're all there. The one thing that uh, keeps coming to mind is how I said during Obama, if you allow this now. Imagine what is going to happen with the next president hmm. or the president after that. Yeah. Last night in a really chilling piece of video, one of the Bernie Sanders people said, look at where we are. Four years ago in 2016, we didn't win. We couldn't have won. Mm -hmm. If you would have told us four years ago that America would be on the precipice of embracing socialism, we wouldn't have believed it. And then... If we're here now, can you even imagine where we'll be in four years? America, it is the time of choosing. You must choose now. It's a really great point uh, made by that Bernie follower. It is. Because, yeah, look how far we've come since the last Bernie campaign. Um, nobody was on board, even with Medicare for all. No Democrats wanted that. Or they at least they didn't admit to wanting it, mm -hmm. uh, and now yeah, here no, we are it, with it, them it, all embracing it. Let's see. It's fascinating too to watch. I think because you have a a situation where forty percent of Democratic primary voters in two thousand sixteen already cast a vote for this guy. So they it's been uh -huh. normalized in a way that that back and forth of a two person race sort of normalized him as a regular candidate. And now they're like, well, we voted for him last time. Why not go out there and vote for him again? Well, last time you basically did it because it was an anti Clinton vote. Here, this guy's now winning. This was this is not a protest vote anymore. This is a guy who could actually get your nomination. Regular Democrats need to think about that really seriously before they but cast see, that vote. Here's the problem. Regular Democrats who are in the party, I mean, the ones who are, you know, part of the political system, they're not listening to their own constituents who are tired of this. They're tired of the corruption and the campaigns and the they're just tired of it, just like the Republicans were tired of it. And they elected Donald Trump. This has to end. This has to end. If you if you're if they if they take Bernie and somehow or another force him out it's only going to empower him and make his message even stronger because people will go, look at how corrupt the Democratic Party is. Mm -hmm. The Democrats will. And, and they'll have another bad candidate and it'll be bad and they'll all just say, you know what? At least this guy wants to burn the system down. That's where we're headed. And that is their stated intention. The stated intention of Russia, the state of, stated intention of Antifa and the weather underground all the way back. Get people to not believe in any of the institutions, because once you do, you just want anybody to fix it. Gosh, do you remember me saying that? Mm, you'll make you'll take Howard Piven thing. anyone to make the pain stop. Yep. America, yep. wow. wake up on Bernie Sanders. You can see that special now at uh, blaze.com, uh, blaze blazetv.com, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save 10% uh, right now.
You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Election by numbers. Welcome to the uh, program. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're watching the Dow. It's now almost a thousand points down. Uh, we're at eleven percent loss just this week because of coronavirus, and we will tell you all you need to know on the coronavirus coming up in just a second. I wanted to get look at the numbers and see if there's been any shift of any of the numbers since the last debate. Uh, we're going into South Carolina this weekend, and then Bernie Sanders dominated everywhere except for two states on super tuesday how are things shaping up today Stu? well it's interesting in that there was a uh, a movement towards uh sanders in south carolina that had been developing over the past couple of weeks with all of the wins he you know basically won iowa then won new hampshire in a close race then had a blowout win in nevada and so the thought was he was going to you know gain some steam it was going to be a close race in south carolina you know, Joe Biden has never trailed in a poll of the South Carolina primary. None. He's never trailed in any of them. So this is why they always talk about this being his firewall, because he has a lot of uh, African-American voters that he does very well with. So uh, the movement was obviously against Biden, and, and this was sort of his last stand, right? Uh, as it was seen. Um, a couple things have happened, though, since in the last week or so. Uh, Biden finished second in, in Nevada, uh, and that was seen as a positive despite the fact that he lost by 26 points i mean if you're the vice president for eight years under a popular democratic president you probably shouldn't lose by 26 to anybody (laughs) but for him it looked really good and this is the thing the joe biden scale is in effect right now uh we've got the curve because you have a 26 point loss that's seen as a positive because he came in second (laughs) then you have a debate performance which he's been giving so many ones and zeros on one to ten scales that the fact that he put up like a five was like incredible to people. It I've like never been more. He was inspired. I've never been more sad for an elderly person. Uh, really, in in public, I've never. I mean, I couldn't be more sad than that performance. I thought that was that was my grandpa when they were you know saying, "Hey, we have to take the keys of the car away, and you can't drive anymore." And he was trying to make the case that he was perfectly fine. But every time he was speaking, it kind of made the case that, no, Grandpa, you're not fine. And it just kind mm-hmm. of really, it was sad. And I felt that was his performance last night. If well, I was well, in his family, I would say, stop, Dad, it's time to stop. Got to stop. You probably should have said that before the the primary started, I would say. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he uh, did uncover 150 million gun murders that we did not know about, and that's yeah. pretty impressive. Right, it is. It's just as from a detective standpoint, I thought that was impressive. So what has happened in the past couple of weeks is is, uh, is, this, is increased scrutiny of Sanders. Obviously, you have you talked about it. You did the big special, Wednesday night special. You can get it at blazetv.com slash Glenn uh, and watch the whole thing. But not only just you... Uh, from people like Buttigieg and Klobuchar, and the Democrats were exposed to a lot of this, hey, he really seems to like Cuba stuff for the first time. Right. That's not stuff that's normally criticized right. on the left, right? Um, because the moderate candidates actually brought it up, people started seeing that a little bit p- potentially as a... Uh, a, a, a they sort of saw Donald Trump with, with that material in hand and what that looks like in a general election. And so it's interesting in that the past uh, few days... After a big tightening in the polls in South Carolina, 
that really has reversed. Um, there was uh, the last four polls that have come out have Biden up 15, 7, 18, and today from a, a top ranked pollster at Monmouth, a 20 point lead. Um, in South Carolina. to 16 in South Carolina. Okay. So, I mean, if he's able to pull up anything even remotely close to that, uh, that is going to rejuvenate his campaign and potentially make him the alternative. The way I've been looking at this race, Glenn, has been South Carolina's kind of Biden's last, last firewall. Last stand. One more chance. Yep. Yep, last stand. If he doesn't win there, it's probably either Bloomberg uh, or nothing in the way of Sanders. And Bloomberg, obviously, is a terrible choice and has a million problems of his own, but he does have the resources in that he doesn't have to necessarily win instantly to stay in the race. Um, you know, Steyer fits that profile as well, but uh, he is expected to probably finish third or fourth in South Carolina, and I don't know how he so does Nobody cares about What him. about Super Tuesday? Are there any polls between now and then that are going to be coming out uh, to see if... Because Sanders was dominating... I mean, if Sanders, yes. even if even if Biden wins in South Carolina, if Sanders does what he was predicted to do at the beginning of the week, all across America for Super Tuesday, he is, you know, 40 percent there. Yeah, he really is a long way there because he was he had all but two states he was projected to win. And I believe that's still the case, though. A big Biden win in South Carolina, I think, would change some of that. Uh, California is going to be almost definitely um, uh, Sanders, which is a huge deal because that's, you know, uh, you know he, he's projected to win 222 delegates right now, only 84 for Biden. So, you know, could that get closer if there's a big win? Very, you know, possibly, but still, that's a big, big gap. He's going to pick up a lot of delegates there. The other one that's big is uh, Texas. Um, now, Texas. I can't believe this. I just can't believe now, this. Texas, it is, it is shocking to Oof. see, I guess, that uh, Texas has right now. Um, Sanders as the favorite, but that's tightening. Uh, these latest polls are tightening. I think if 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 Biden can win in South Carolina, he's got a shot at picking up Texas as well. The issue there, though, is the way they do these delegates, and it's a, it's a ridiculously complicated system. But the bottom line is, if you don't get fifteen percent in a particular district, you can't you automatically get zero uh, delegates. So it winds up being that anyone who gets over fifteen percent, they give it away proportionally. So if it's a 40, you know, a 60-40 election, the delegate count isn't that much different. You're only going to pick up a few delegates here and there. Um, and if other the more candidates that get get across that threshold, the, the lower the stakes get in, in a way. Um, it's a weird system. I don't think it works very well. The Republicans do, if you remember this, Glenn, from 2016, do a lot of winner-take-all states where the win is a lot more important because... You're picking up this, you know, 60 delegates versus zero. That's not what happens in the Democratic side. When you win, you might win, you know, 43 to 37. And so you're plus six in the delegate count. Mm -hmm. It's hard to make up differences if you get way behind. But, you know, if you can keep it close, you have a chance to be able to do that. And and right now it's still relatively close. I mean, you know, Biden, for all of his failures, he's failed in really slow delegate states. What what does 538 say about the odds of... You know, nobody uh-huh. <laughs> going into yeah. the convention and uh, uh, with a with a clear mandate. It's interesting because Sanders, after Nevada, had picked up and gone ab- above. It had outpaced no one. <laughs> like con- contesting convention is essentially no one. Uh, no one gets more than half of the delegates. Uh, but that's reversed now with these. I think these latest polls in South Carolina has been a big factor in that. 
uh, no one again is in first place. <laughs> uh, now again, I think that is where most funny people to say are. It that way, because I think that's yeah, where most no. people are. They're like, no one, no, and I don't want any yeah, of these no. guys. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's that's not what they're saying, actually. I mean, but it's just a matter of they they can't decide, right? There, there's not enough um, momentum behind one candidate to get it get Sanders particularly above the 50% threshold. And if they don't get to 50%, you're in a contested convention. Right now, 48% chance of, of contested convention, 37% chance of Bernie Sanders. Biden is next with 13% chance. Mm. Bloomberg at two, and everyone else is below that. The, I will say, though, the probably the more interesting way of looking at this is looking at it as the plurality of, of delegates. So who's in the lead? You might only have 48% of the delegates, so you don't get the automatic win. But if Bernie Sanders gets to 48% of the delegates, it's almost definite that he's going to be able to get the nomination if he can get that close. The and plurality rating for him is 6 right, mm-hmm. yeah, and then 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 goodbye. I hope you I hope you sold your house uh, already in yeah. Milwaukee. Uh, but a 65% chance of Sanders winning the plurality of votes. Biden at 26, Bloomberg at 8, and Warren at and at 1%. So basically you have a Sanders, Biden, Bloomberg, I think, are the only three that have a re- legitimate uh, argument at this point. Yep. It's kind of surprising that Buttigieg showed no strength coming out of those first two states. I mean, he really is just dissolved and, and has you know, disappeared. Uh, All right. But he does not seem to be part of the picture. Thank right you very much, uh, Stu, from Washington. He's up there for CPAC. I'll be up there on uh, Saturday. Also, he'll be doing his uh, his show, Stu Does America. Lots of guests from CPAC. You can watch that uh, every night on blazetv.com. Election by numbers. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. The Chinese government has come out and they are proposing, they haven't done it yet, but they are proposing a ban on eating dogs. Oh, and come on. no, all dogs, all dogs, all dogs. They're saying don't eat a dog. And uh, now it's not official, but I've already got this down. I mean, I am. I'm I'm the I'm the the, you know, a prepper general for the United States. If that's the standard, I've never eaten a dog. I've never even had a desire to eat a dog. I would tell you before the coronavirus, don't eat a dog. So, hmm. well, that is really prepared. I, now, do they mean everything like is it like dog broth? You can have dog broth. No, no dog. Nothing dog. No, if it's got dog nothing? in the title. Oh, it's gosh. got dog in the title. Don't eat it. Hot don't dog. Eat it. Well, that's not technically a dog. So, uh, and Are I see you what you're sure? saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, in China, no, maybe not. Now, the no, ban. Not. Now, tell me if you notice something here. The ban also could, they haven't finalized it yet, they're proposing it, could also extend to snakes, frogs, and turtle meat. Is there anything left? What are you supposed to eat? You notice like, anything? Oh, that's the four food groups. Yeah. <laughs> dog. You know, dog, turtle. turtle meat, frogs, snakes. I mean, what else is there left? Here's what's left. Bats. They don't include in the ban freaking bats. 
How is that possible? <laughs> I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, they're going to get to bats. They're going to get, they didn't get to bats. They didn't get to bats. What does that mean? I mean, because I know you had said at one point the initial diagnosis that it came from bat soup made from that particular market looks like it was not. It was, had been ruled out as the actual cause of this thing, right? Uh, yeah, it did not come from that market. Somebody brought it into that market, so it didn't come from a bat. Uh, at least so, in well, that it could have market. been from bat soup, right? Okay, okay. So someone could have made bat soup at home yes. previously, yes. then brought it to the market after they caught it, right? And then infected okay. other people who were just like, I don't know. I'm just I I've sworn off bat for a long time. I just want turtle soup. Okay, so <laughs> we don't we don't know exactly. Uh, you know, it's so weird. It's so weird. You know, what's really frightening is uh, I was doing an interview with a guy who was over in China. And I asked him, I said, so, I mean, what's it going to take to shut down these markets where they're selling bats? And he said, you know, it's not the bat. The bat's getting a very bad name. And I'm like, when did bats have a good name? But uh, he said, uh, it's not. They literally, they literally are vampires that have turned <laughs> into. Like, they're, they're normally sucking blood. I don't and know. And they turn into these bats. I don't That's know true. anybody that likes bats. I mean, I'm up, I'm up at, at my ranch and I have a bat problem. Okay. Which is not really a problem. I just don't want them around me. But they eat mosquitoes. They're part, they're an important part of the you know circle of life. They eat mosquitoes, they eat bugs, and so it's really good. I just don't want them nesting in my uh, in my house. So they go up in between the the boards of my house, and you know we heard, and I'm like, what what uh-huh. the, what, the, what the hell is that? I don't. I don't know, but I don't like it. Okay. We took off the, you know, the cladding of the house and just took off just a little bit, just to peek in. It was a sea of thousands of bats, thousands uh, of them. I ha- I should post the video of it. They fly. They flew out like it was a scene from Batman. You know, remember when he's in the well at the very beginning and the bats are like, <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> And I'm I'm there with guys who are, you know, you know, 60 years hard living on the farm and guys who flew helicopters in the Gulf War. And they're just like, men, we all were screaming like 12 year old girls. Ah, bats! <laughs> They've never had a good name. Never. Was your mouth just watering when you saw those bats? Oh, I thought just the so hungry. Soup is going to be mm. so. Anyway, I'm talking to this guy about bats, and I'm like, "When you know, what's the deal with the bat soup?" And he's like, "Bats get a bad name, and it shouldn't have a bad name. It's not the bat. It's these markets." I'm like, "What do you mean? It's these markets?" He said, "Have you ever been?" No, I've never been to a Chinese market where they're selling bats. You don't even you do. That should automatically be something that says to you, "Don't go in here." So he said, these markets are crazy. He said, they, they'll have camels and bats and, and lizards that you've never seen before and all these different animals. <laughs> and they're all on cages on top of each other. So like they're all pooping on each other and they're all pooping in each other's food. And so that's how wow. these things are mixed. And he's like, they got to do something about these. And I'm like, yeah, they, they should. They probably should. You know, they probably should close those down. And he said, well, you know, we have those in America. What? 
Where? What? What? Where do we? We don't have those in America. He's like, oh, yeah, we've got them in Florida. And, you know, I expect in New Orleans. I mean, if you're going to find something creepy, of course, it's in New Orleans. Right. Okay. <laughs> he didn't tell me that they were in New Orleans, but I'm expecting that they would be in New Orleans. There's one reason why you don't go to New Orleans. They, you know, they've got some weird, creepy thing and probably a person in the cage underneath a camel, you know, eating its food with camel poop. You don't know. It's creepy. It's New Orleans. But we have them in like normal non-New Orleans style cities. Really? Yeah. Because don't they have like in New York, don't they have that kind of section where they... It's called Chinatown. Is it Chinatown? (laughs) It's called Chinatown. And they have like animals kind of just like hanging in the windows and stuff. I don't know. They walk down the streets. Yeah, it's weird. It's It's really... Chinatown is really weird. In Chinatown, if you're ever on a diet, just go to Chinatown. Because you're like, I'm never going to eat again. (laughs) (laughs) nope not gonna eat now uh because it's creepy but those animals are all dead where do we have these these i don't know weird markets with weird monkey bat kind of cages all stacked on top of each other in america we need to find them and suggest that we shut them down that's a really kind of you know I don't know, 12th century idea. Yeah, and they, they actually call them wet markets, too, which is just a terrible name for what you've just described. Like, I, I just because they're peeing on the each other. Thing. It's just like, it's like, yeah. you know, again, when I say a 12th century idea, I don't mean the cages. I mean, in the 12th century, somebody went around and went, OK, all right, enough. This is unhealthy. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. coronavirus update for thursday all of these stats are as of 5 30 a.m central time total confirmed cases 82,585 that's up 1,322 from the 8,100 yesterday or 81,000 yesterday total deaths are up 114 to 2,814 51 countries now have confirmed cases. That's up from 43 yesterday. Another 13 countries have suspected cases. 18% of the active confirmed cases are considered serious or critical, requiring hospitalization or ICU. That is down one percentage point. And there are 60 confirmed cases in the U.S. and zero deaths. Now... As of this morning, we do have 60 confirmed cases here within our own borders. Reports from NBC and other sources indicate tens of thousands of Americans, though, are in self-quarantine at the suggestion or request of local governments. These are all volunteers that are self-sequestering themselves. According to the CDC's own website, however, we have actually only tested 445 people for COVID-19. That's SARS-CoV-2 with the 16 confirmed to have it. So let me say that again. 
So far, we have only used the test on 445 people. 16 have confirmed to have had it. South Korea has tested 37,000 citizens and found 1,766 cases, including 505 new cases since yesterday. It seems the more people they test, the more cases they discover. Italy has tested 22,350 and have found 528 cases. According to the CDC's website and confirmed by NBC News today, the U.S. has only actually tested those 445 people. So about 5% of Americans, uh, if actually tested, may have may get a confirmation that they have COVID-19. As of this morning, however, only 12 labs in the U.S. are capable of performing positive tests for COVID-19. Now, two days ago, that number was only five. So that's why we're testing so few people. Now, here's the good news. The good news is the government is on it and shipping these tests out and major hospitals have the ability to make their own tests for it. Just nobody has had it yet. The CDC now admits that 47 states and 30 overseas embassies and military bases were sent 55,000 test kits over the last two weeks, but they were all recalled because they were faulty. New kits have been sent and should arrive in all of the U.S. labs and hospitals today or tomorrow, upping testing uh, capacity to over 20 states by this time tomorrow. Other experts are concerned that the CDC's policy has been to only test people who both had risk of exposure, travel to Korea or China, and were showing symptoms despite the fact that the disease has a 14-plus day incubation period and is contagious even without the symptoms. President Trump yesterday insisted in his press conference that we are testing everyone who needs to be tested. When asked about the low rate of testing, he said not all experts agree. Now, we have the first community case of coronavirus, uh, meaning one that is does not have any connection or known connection to China related exposure. They've been in the hospital nine days before they were tested. UC Davis Hospital requested a covid-19 testing kit on 219, but it was declined by the CDC. Virologists indicate this makes it virtually impossible now to determine the spread risk because without knowing who is infected, we can't determine who's come into contact with the virus. It's like trying to solve a mystery without having access to any of the clues. Local governments now are monitoring hundreds of suspected cases that have not been formally tested due to the lack of testing kits. Again, those testing kits should be available in 20 states by this time tomorrow and all of the states by next week. Now, there's some very risky misconceptions about the coronavirus that we just don't know yet. Scientists are now warning that there is a very strong misconception because this is the way the flu usually is, but it is not this way in coronavirus. And that serious misconception is that once you'd been given the viral infection 
you're immune. It's called the chicken pox myth. We used to, you know, give people a little bit of the chicken pox, the kids, and it makes you immune. It's it's why we can create some sort of a uh, uh, a shot for a flu shot. Did you get your flu shot? Did you get immunized yet for your flu? Well, we can only create that because once you have it, your antibodies start to grow and then you have a real resistance post-infection. Unfortunately, that is not true with um, what is that? How do you pronounce Is it MERS, the M-E-R-S? Um, MERS, yeah. Yeah, MERS disease or SARS-1, where most recovered patients show little antibody response post-infection and therefore reinfection is the risk of that is really high. Early studies indicate that reinfection risk with SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus is also very high. And the mortality rate for reinfection is as high as 30%. So if you get it once and you're reinfected, your mortality rate can go from 1% to 30%. China and Japan today have just confirmed recovered patients are becoming reinfected with COVID-19. The body cannot fight it. Another misconception that uh, since the risk appears to be relatively low for younger people, you shouldn't worry about any kind of preventive measures. I have always been someone that has spoken up against antibacterial soap, you know, as a regular run uh, course of events in your life. It just weakens your system, putting antibacterial soap into your body because most of the germs you can handle. So everything, generally speaking, that you touch every day, you, your body should be strong enough to fight it. And by using antibacterial soap, it makes the bacteria even stronger and your body weaker. However, with that being said, everyone should have antibacterial soap with them in their purse, in their pocket, on their desk. You should constantly, when you touch something, shake somebody's hands, you should be using antibacterial soap. You should be washing your hands a lot. Now, this um, this dismisses if you're if you are looking and saying, well, this is just, you know, this is fine for younger people. And I've only got young kids, et cetera, et cetera. You have to take the precautions because you will be a carrier of this. You can pass this disease to higher risk people, the elderly. It also ignores the risk that this virus will mutate inside of your body. And the more infected people there are, the overall chances go way up that the virus will mutate into something even more deadly. With all of this being said, I want you to remember that this is a flu. We are still fighting the Spanish flu every single year. The flu season, you get your flu shot. That is the remnant of the Spanish flu that was introduced in 1918. That was the last pandemic. We hope that this spring things will start to calm down. But I have news on that coming in just a second. The travel restrictions now. And I urge you. Don't cancel your plans until the last minute. I know somebody that was going to Disney World today. They canceled their trip yesterday. 
You don't know this could get much better in the weeks to come. It could be much worse in the weeks to come. But if you're canceling now, I just give you the example. People who canceled their trip to Italy on uh, what Monday, they paid a penalty by the next day. Uh, uh, what's the name of the airline? Italia Airlines decided that they were going to remove all restrictions so there are penalties and everything else that will apply now wait before you have to go before you make any decisions travel restrictions now more than 50 countries have active travel restrictions or warnings to china more than 20 countries have travel uh, restrictions or warnings to korea japan italy and iran now there goes my iran trip over 60% of confirmed cases in Europe involve travel to Italy. Eight countries now have closed their borders with Italy. Now, the summer. Summer tends to make the flu season stop. Summer also tends to reduce people clustering indoors out in cold you know, out of the cold weather which likely increases the rate of the spread of viruses and colds. However, scientists warn on this one we don't know yet. With MERS, another coronavirus, that occurred in August and September in the Middle East. That's very hot and very dry then. The swine flu of 2009, another novel virus in, uh, viral infection, Another cautionary tale. It spread during summer months because there was no herd immunity. Herd immunity. It, it's generally the combination of herd immunity, a virus we faced before and have developed some immunity to, which we don't have, plus summer conditions that slow seasonal flu. Summer conditions were not gathering indoors um, the the uh, virus here, uh, this one, when it is exposed to chlorine or bleach, it takes 24 seconds to kill COVID-19. UV rays, it takes two seconds. So sunlight is the best disinfection uh, disinfectant on this. But we don't have, we don't believe any herd immunity. So we don't know what is going to happen. You'll be able to get all of the numbers and all of the latest information every day at this time on this broadcast. We will start peeling these off and putting them into our Glenn Beck feed. Um, you'll be able to hear this on the show if you just download Glenn Beck, uh, the Glenn Beck podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But if you get into our RSS uh, feed, we're also going to try to peel this off so you can have access to this easily every single day. I urge you to listen to it. Because knowledge is power. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.